Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stoic Minds podcast. We're your hosts, Abby and Blake, and in this podcast, we're going to be diving into our journey after an accident that changed our lives forever in December of 2020, as if 2020 wasn't a shitty enough year to begin with. Each episode, we're going to be covering a wide range of topics regarding burn trauma and rehabilitation. We'll also cover how we've overcome and grown from this experience and how we've learned to view life through a more positive lens. We hope this podcast provides both education and support for those going through a similar experience. Thanks for tuning in and let's get into this week's episode. Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of the Stoic Minds podcast. So in this first episode, we're basically just going to dive right in to kind of the story behind this podcast. I'm going to let Blake take it away and tell his perspective of what happened on December 4th, 2020. And then afterwards, we're going to switch it up and I'm going to tell kind of my perspective of the story. Yeah, so as Abby mentioned, it was December 4th uh, of 2020. Um, It was a Thursday night shift, so I was working uh, overnight that night. And anyway, I was working with a chemical, a catalyst chemical, um, and it it ended up catching fire. And basically, uh, this I'm going to get a little graphic here for, for anyone who's uh, a little squeamish. But basically, it caught fire, and there was a little bit of an explosion, which ended up kind of bathing myself in this chemical um, that was on fire. So um, after the explosion, I kind of woke up. Uh, I think I was knocked unconscious for a second. I honestly can't really remember that part, but I kind of woke up on the ground, um, missing a boot. My glasses were gone, but basically I remember being on fire and, and I've never had that feeling before in my life. It was very scary. And I got up off the ground and I immediately thought, how am I going to put this out? I thought of the stop, drop and roll that everyone's been taught as a kid, but that didn't seem like an option to me. I, I think in my mind, briefly, I just knew I was, I was too engulfed for that to work. So I knew there was a safety shower close by. So I ended up making my way over there. So I, I was kind of stumbling around, probably only 15 feet away. But I was stumbling around. I made my way over, got under the shower. Couldn't get the shower to activate. I don't think it was a mechanical issue. It was just this, my strength wasn't there actually to to turn on the shower. And luckily, I had a coworker beside me who was able to activate it for me. So then the flames were put out. And what's really interesting is I don't remember feeling much pain. Now, I know that's probably a common thing in this type of scenario because, I mean, you have so much adrenaline, right? So I think adrenaline plus nerve damage caused me not to feel much pain, but I didn't have a whole lot of strength. So basically, after I was put out, I can remember screaming at the top of my lungs a few times. Uh, I was very frustrated. So yeah, that's when it really hit me what had happened. I immediately went to get my cell phone. I had called my mom. I tried calling my fiance for, well, I tried calling Abby. I don't know if <laughs> my fiance, I tried calling Abby. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, I'm Blake's fiance. Anyway, I tried calling Abby and I mean, obviously it was the middle of the night, so she was asleep. So I got no answer there. So I ended up calling my mom next and I let her know. And actually I was very calm on the phone. I was uh, like, mom, uh, there's been an accident here and I'm, I'm, I'm burned pretty badly. So I'm going to need you to let everyone know, like family, that I'm heading off to a hospital. And at that time, my coworker had called for an ambulance and fire crew as well. So I don't know how much time passed here. I really don't. 
it feels like to me now that it was like a minute and the ambulance was there, but I mean, obviously it was longer than a minute. I was sitting there for quite a while. I don't know if I was kind of in and out of consciousness. It's really hard for me to remember this part. But anyway, I remember my coworker saying, oh, the ambulance is here. So I walked myself down the stairs outside, saw the ambulance, walked to the ambulance, got in. I had the strength to do all this, and I believe it's the adrenaline that was giving me the strength. But I got in the ambulance, jumped up on the stretcher, and it was two younger guys that night that were uh, the ambulance... Uh, um, uh, the, uh, the paramedics, sorry, I was trying to think of the word, the paramedics. And I remember them calling into the hospital, I believe it was Winchester, and saying, well, we have a male here with, uh, I can't remember, but I think they said I, I had more burns than I actually had, N not to their fault. They, I mean, I still had clothing on that was very burnt and torn up, but they had thought I was burned, I think, worse than I was. It ended up being 40% burns to my body which they had figured out at winchester and i remember briefly being at winchester hospital after this they had given me some morphine in the ambulance so the pain was gone not that i really had much pain but they had given me morphine and then i was kind of out during the trip from the ambulance to winchester and then um, at the winchester hospital apparently i walked myself off the stretcher into the hospital I don't remember this, but as this is just what I've been told. And I can briefly remember sitting in, in a stretcher in the hospital in Winchester. And I can, I remember some nurses, there's probably about eight people kind of like around. And I just remember them looking at me. And then honestly, after that, I woke up in about the beginning of January of 2021. Yeah, I was out for, I think, four weeks. So I was pretty much unconscious. Yeah. And... You know, it's interesting because when Blake tells his perspective, he only obviously remembers up until getting to the hospital, but there was a lot that happened afterwards and we'll get into that. But yeah, I think it was like about four weeks. And even when you did come to, I think it's pretty foggy for you. Yeah. I mean, there's still like two weeks there where I like don't really remember, like I, I can kind of remember bits and pieces, but it's like yeah. I was very sedated most of the time. Yeah. Cause I mean, we'll get into it more. We'll get into it more when I talk about it. That's basically my story. So I'll let you go from your perspective, Abby, and that you can give a little insight on the other side of things. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Well, first of all, I tell Blake this all the time, but the fact that he remembers anything that happened that night just blows my mind. I don't know how. Well, they say your body tries to block out those memories of, of traumatic incidences. Yeah. I'm surprised I remember as much detail as I do. I mean, other up until the point where my body basically started shutting down and then they, they knew that they had to like do something about it. Yeah. So basically from my perspective, um, so, you know, it was a regular night when Blake works night shifts, he goes in around nine ish. So anyways, it was like any other night we were just hanging out at home. We had dinner together, whatever. And then he left for work and that was that. I just kind of went about my normal nights I watch tv whatever and then I went to bed probably around like 10 30 11 and I was sleeping and just randomly the dog started barking we have a little dog at home who's our little baby he never barks at night like so it actually scared me because I was like what the hell like why is he barking so his barking woke me up and when I looked my phone was on my bedside table and I looked and like, I'm half asleep. I'm kind of disoriented. But my brother-in-law, Grant, was calling me. And I was like, what the heck? Like, I noticed the time. It was like 1230. I'm like, that's really weird. Why is Grant calling me? 
like again half asleep so I answered it I'm like hello and he's like hey um we're at your door we uh we need to talk to you and I was like okay and again like still not really fully awake but I just remember thinking like that's kind of weird but like whatever I didn't really I didn't really clue in (laughs) if anyone hears any dog noises in the background we have our my brother's dog here and she's being very annoying trying to have a serious conversation here (laughs) yeah so I just remember being really disoriented and I had no idea that it was going to be what it was that thought didn't even cross my mind the thought that something terrible had even happened like didn't even really cross my mind I was just I just remember feeling like really confused so anyways I go to the door and it's Grant and Blake's sister Carly Carly's on the phone freaking out she was talking to Jackie Blake's mom I opened the door and I was really confused and I just remember Grant was so calm. Grant, if you're listening to this, which I hope you are, (laughs) support the podcast. I just hope you know that you were like a saving grace that night because you were so calm and I mean, I'm sure you were freaking out on the inside, but just it was such a big help. Like all night, he was just such a rock for everyone. So yeah, he just comes in and he's like, there's been an explosion at the plant Like, we don't know what happened, but Blake's awake. He's talking on the phone. And then when I looked at my phone again, I had seen that I had two missed calls from Blake. I'm now realizing what's happening. And anyways, Carly was on the phone with Jackie, who was with Blake. So I knew that, you know, he was alive and he was okay, not okay, but coherent and whatnot. And I didn't know at the time how bad it was, but I just remember feeling just like panic and I didn't really know what to do. I just remember, like, I don't even really remember, like, this night. It's really foggy, but I think I just, like, went and sat on the floor in the kitchen. Like, I I didn't really know what to do. And then I just remember thinking, I need, like, my parents. I need my mom or I need my dad. So, anyways, they were like, okay, okay, we'll drive you to your mom's, whatever you need right now. So, anyways, that's what we did. Went to my mom's. And in during this, Blake did call me and he was so calm too I think it was obviously the shock but he like I answer I'm like oh my god Blake like oh my god are you okay are you okay what happened like I'm freaking out and he's like uh I don't know Abby it's it's pretty bad and that was like he was so monotone so calm I just remember thinking like okay like he's talking he's alive that's all that matters right now so originally, I think they were going to take you to Ottawa. Yeah, so I think that's what they had said originally. Yeah. I, I kind of remember them saying that, but then they had switched their minds and they were going to go to Winchester first instead. So yeah, when you called me, you were in the ambulance and at that time, the plan was to go to Ottawa. So that was fine. And then you called me back and you were just like, okay, they're going to take, like you were so calm. It was so weird and like, it's just crazy to think what the body does in shock. It was definitely shock, though. Yeah, because, like, I can remember, like, convulsing. Like, my body, like, my whole body was just, like, shaking. Like, and it wasn't, like, because I was cold. Because it was, like, I wasn't cold. I mean, I could have been a little bit cold because, I mean, I did get, I was under the safety shower and it was winter. But, like, I didn't feel cold. It was more, like, I couldn't stop myself from shaking. Like, my whole body was shaking. Well, it's such a huge trauma. And I'd never, and I'd never been through something like that. Like, I didn't know what shock was i'd never been in shock before so like i I think that was shock and like that's why i was so calm i knew it was bad but i was like pretty calm in the moment which was kind of weird but so yeah it was almost like eerie in a sense because i was like okay like he's so you you were just like so calm on the phone 
So he called me again for a second time uh, just to tell me that the plans had changed. They were taking him to Winchester just basically because Winchester was closer and it was pretty imperative that they got him to a hospital sooner than later. It would have been longer to go to Ottawa. After that, I basically... Yeah, I went to my mom's, tried calling my dad too, but again, this is like in the middle of the night, so nobody's awake and pretty much all bad things happen in the middle of the night. It's just a given, I think. Um, so anyways, go to my mom's, uh, tell her what happened, tell my brothers what happened. Um, so basically, we just get in the car and drive to Winchester. Carly and Grant were also driving to Winchester and Jackie Blake's mom was following the ambulance, I believe. So she was already on the way. So yeah, we get to the hospital. By the time we got there, Blake was intubated. So for those of you who don't know what that means, basically they had to put an endotracheal tube through his mouth, down his throat. Very glad I wasn't conscious. Yeah. And attach him to a ventilator. Um, Not because he couldn't breathe on his own, but with burns... What happens is the body swells up really quickly, so the airway closes. So, yeah, so basically with any burns at the extent of his, they'll intubate the patients right away because they need to maintain that airway. So by the time we got there, you know, they put us all in a room in the eMERGE. I mean, it was pretty quiet. At this point, it's like two in the morning. Um, So we kind of were just all waiting in this room. Uh, There was maybe two other people in the waiting room and it was actually really cute because they were this older couple and I don't know why they were in there, but it was kind of some comic relief because they were just like bickering and stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, my life's falling apart right now. And you guys are like, yeah, Grant and I, I remember Grant and I just like laughing at them. Anyways, basically it was just kind of a waiting game there um, until we could go back and see him. And then, yeah, probably about an hour, an hour and a half later, they called. Only two of us could go back um, to talk to the doctor. So Jackie and myself went back. Um, They put us in another triage room and basically we just had to wait there probably for another 30 minutes, what felt like three hours. Um, And then the doctor finally came in and, okay, I don't want to be like whatever here, but this doctor had the worst bedside manner. I don't even care to say this on the podcast because I work in healthcare. I just graduated from nursing school. And the one thing you learn is bedside manner. Like this. Yeah, you were friggin' unconscious. But this guy comes in and I mean, in his defense, I don't know, like to be understanding, I guess, Winchester is a very small rural hospital. They do not get cases like this very often. I think they were really overwhelmed because they didn't really know what to do. But man, this guy, oh my God, he comes in and he just we're both freaking out because we're like, we don't know what's happening. Like I thought, like I honestly thought Blake was going to die. Like I had no idea. I had that feeling briefly as well. Like I forgot to mention that in my part of the, this, but like I did briefly, my life kind of, it did kind of flash before my eyes. Like they say that happens, but like it actually did happen to me. Like I thought, Oh my God, like, uh, is this really happening right now? Like I might actually die from this. And then yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, I made it out, but I do remember yeah. that part I of mean, it. thankfully, we're here today, and that yeah. did not happen. But, yeah, so he comes in the room, and 
he just walks in and he looks at us and he's like so what do you know so Jackie's like well I like I was at his work I saw him so she had seen him when he was like getting in the ambulance and all that and he was just like yeah so basically it's pretty bad um we need to get him to Toronto so Toronto is four hours from where we live we live in like a very small town in Eastern Ontario. So if you're going to Toronto, it's not good. Let's just put it that way. So basically he's like, yeah, um, we need to get him to Toronto, but it's, it's the middle of winter. It's December 4th. And I guess there was some freezing rain. Um, so they couldn't get the air ambulance to Winchester to pick him up. But the bedside manner thing, was that just him? Yeah. So, so, I mean, this is obviously a very high stress situation. We're waiting in this room. We don't know what they're doing to you. Like he just comes in and he's like, yeah, so basically we need to get him to Toronto, but uh, I'm trying to get a hold of Orange and uh, they can't get the plane here. So basically my hands are tied. Um, the ventilator that we have here isn't sufficient enough for him. Yeah, they basically made you guys feel like I was, I was going to die. Like, yeah. So yeah a hundred percent so i remember like i'm panicking and i remember your mom saying something like okay so should we be transporting him to ottawa like what like what do we do if if your ventilator is not sufficient enough and he's like well no he's too critical we can't transfer him i feel that he's safest here in my care but again the ventilator we have is not sufficient enough it's not the proper vent and it's gonna basically dry out his lungs so we're freaking out and then he goes to talk again then his phone rings he doesn't even say oh excuse me like i just need to take just walks right out of the room like mid telling us this basically making us feel like you're gonna die walks out and it's they they were trying to arrange the transport so he was like trying to take the phone call but it just it was just a really awful situation and i remember i just like couldn't stand in that room anymore it was like hot i was having a panic attack so I started walking out of the room because I was going to go outside and get some air and he just looks at me and he goes are you going to pass out right now he actually said that yeah and I'm like no I just I need some air like even if you were going to pass out like yeah whatever. probably <laughs> yeah. I might pass out Seriously. you know I don't know I'm this is a lot of information to retain so basically at this point Blake's in Winchester intubated apparently on a vent that isn't sufficient enough for him. This is what this doctor is telling us. Needs to get to Toronto. There's freezing rain. They can't get him there. So I go outside. I'm just not having a good experience at all. And so my sister-in-law, Josie, is an eMERGE nurse in Ottawa. So I call her because she was actually working nights. So she was up anyways. And I'm like, Josie, like, I don't know what to do. They're telling us that like this ventilator that he's on is not good enough. He needs to get to Toronto. They can't get him there. And she's like, okay, no, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Basically. She's like, it's fine for now. Like maybe long-term no, but for now that's what he needs. And they will get him there. If orange needs to transport him to Toronto, they will get him there. It doesn't matter. Don't stress about it. So basically I talked to her for a while. My mom was out there with me too. Um, and then I felt a lot better. She just reassured me. And sure enough, um, within an hour, they were here. They were there to pick him up and get him uh, to Toronto. Um, so, yeah, after I talked to her, I went back in and then they were allowing us to go and see him. 
Um, so we went back and so I was a little bit nervous, honestly, because I didn't really know what to expect. Like I knew that he had been burned. I didn't know how bad it was. I didn't know what he was going to look like. Um, just, I didn't, I didn't know really what to picture. Yeah. Um, so anyways, your mom went, I mean, your mom had seen you and she went back and. Well, this is kind of, this is kind of graphic, uh, for everyone listening, but like, um, from what I saw in a picture actually, um, just so these pictures were taken on purpose, like, uh, just cause a lot of people there's, there's ways how survivors burn survivors like myself can cope with things. And, um, one of the ways is, is, is seeing exactly what happened to you. Right. So like, so taking pictures seems like an awkward thing to do in those scenarios, but when pictures are taken like that, I can actually see what happened to me because I was unconscious. So it's yeah. a good way for me to see that. But anyway, I saw a picture of myself and like, I know what you're saying. Yeah. It just kind of looked like I had like um, charcoal or whatever. Like, well, it's just kind of yeah, like tinted black kind of like uh, my skin. Like, yeah. And at yeah. this point, I mean, it was still pretty fresh. So your mom had gone back with Carly and I mean, you're Carly's my sister. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you're obviously your mom's baby and it's, difficult for her to see you the way you were so she kind of came out and I was gonna go back I wanted to see him obviously and she was like just you know prepare yourself it's pretty bad so now I'm thinking like oh my god like what like what am I gonna walk into I'm kind of freaking out and honestly when I walked back you did not look as bad as I was expecting yeah um, so and that's the thing with burns right like it happens yeah. over time yeah, because like like this I was fresh. Very, like yeah. it, the accident had only happened like two hours before this. So honestly, he didn't even really look that burned. Like there was a few little tiny blisters on your skin and stuff like that. And what bothered me the most, honestly, um, was that you could. So, I mean, his clothing was saturated in this chemical that caused the explosion. Yeah, it doesn't and smell very good. So. I remember walking in the room and okay the nursing staff here were absolutely incredible like they were so sweet they were just so amazing um, sorry if you can hear dogs in the background yeah our dogs are not <laughs> cooperating right now um but yeah i remember walking back my first thought and like my mom came with me and we both were like wow okay you know what he actually doesn't look as bad as you know i was expecting i, I didn't really know what to expect but he really didn't look as bad but again it takes some time for the burns to kind of like your body Show? tries to protect itself yeah. by swelling up, right? Basically, yeah. and like all the water comes to like the surface. Yeah. Of your so skin, I mean, he looked and, he looked yeah. like himself. Um, I mean, he was intubated, which was that was creepy, honestly, because it's just it's not a nice thing to see, you know, your partner like that. Yeah. Um, but I was, you know, it was very emotional, and it was not something that I ever want to experience again. But. Um, I forget where I was going with this. Oh yeah. The smell. That was the yeah. one thing I didn't know what it was at first, but I, I remember walking in the room and it just smelled really weird. And I was like, is that like the medical supplies? Like, I don't know what. Oh, yeah, the and then smells weird. we realized after that, that's what it was. And still to this day, like there's random things that like, this is so random, but newspaper bags, like the ad bag, Sometimes the smell of that, like, what? Rem I know it's so weird because it doesn't smell anything. Okay, this is off topic, but I had a similar experience to that. Um, so I, I go through, we'll probably get to this in future episodes, but I yeah. go through, I go through boatloads of moisturizer. But anyway, <laughs> um, and the one moisturizer I have, 
Um, nothing against the brand, but for some reason, <laughs> the smell of the moisturizer reminds me of the smell of that chemical. Really? Yeah. And like, I don't like using it because yeah. of that. It's just I like, know, it's I really have like interesting. flashback like, of like the chemical. Yeah. That's what happens to me. I remember it hasn't really happened recently, but I remember like shortly after the accident, like I was putting the ad bag in the recycling bin and I don't know what it was. It was just the smell of it just brought me back to that. And that is one thing like from that night, there's obviously a lot of things that were just awful but um the smell just it really bothered me you. like it yeah. just it was just such a weird like not something you would expect and it was like that mixed with like basically charred skin like yeah, it's very burnt, graphic burnt but hair, burnt know, hair like, like your hair was singed yeah. but overall you didn't look too bad um like it, it's weird. Um, so yeah, anyways, we got to see him. Uh, obviously he was not conscious. He was intubated. Um, and then, so this doctor telling us that basically they can't get him to Toronto and this vent is not sufficient enough. The anesthesiologist confirmed with us that the vent was fine. So I don't know what that guy was talking about, but Hmm. basically he was like, no, no, it's fine. Like, Again, long-term wasn't a great solution, but just because they don't have the proper equipment in, like, a small hospital. But, yeah, he kind of it might not have. Us. Well, it might not have been fine, but that person but, had better bedside manner, and they were, like, yeah, kind of and being... Like, yeah, don't, yeah exactly. anyways, so it all worked out. So, yeah, from there... Um, I didn't go directly to Toronto, though. You had said no, that earlier yeah. in the podcast. Like, I didn't go directly yeah, there. Yeah, so right? basically what would have normally happened was one of the orange helicopters would have come, picked him up, went right to Toronto. But because it was freezing rain, they couldn't fly. That to me, though, is weird because it's a helicopter, which you'd think would be better in freezing rain than a... Yeah, I don't know. This anyway, is a we're going to get to how for... I got there, but it, you'd think it would be better than the way I got there. That's a question for Austin. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to ask That's one of our friends confirm. who's a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, his company is like contracted out by Orange, which is pretty cool. We'll get to that. Um, just because he was actually able to track Blake's flight, which is like really weird to me. Um, yeah. So basically they couldn't, oh my God, these dogs are driving me nuts. (laughs) Uh, We're really sorry guys. The dogs are like really, we, we tried to lock them off of the deck so that they wouldn't be barking and clearly that's not working. So excuse the barking behind us. Um, yeah. So basically the, Orange ambulance came to Winchester, like the ground ambulance, took Blake to Ottawa. And then from there, they airlifted him in a plane um, that took him to actually not even right to the hospital. It took him to, I forget what the town is called. Again, another question for Austin. Close to Toronto? Yeah, it's like right outside of Toronto. They land there. And then another ground ambulance took you to Sunnybrook, um, which is Sunnybrook is a hospital in Toronto. And they have one of the most um, world-renowned burn um, ICUs. So that's where they took him. So honestly, at this point, I kind of was thinking like, okay, you know, this is happening. Um, We need to get to Toronto. You know, he's probably going to be there for like a week. That was literally what went through my mind. Like I had no idea how bad it was. None of us did. Like I knew it was bad, but I'm like, okay, this is doable. Like he'll maybe be there for a week, whatever. Yeah. They'll sort, they'll sort the burns out and then like, yeah, yeah, I had no clue how bad. Um, so from there, so by the time he left, it's probably like four thirty. So we were like, okay, it's probably going to take them quite a while to get him to Toronto, get him settled. 
so I like at this point I'm so exhausted because like I've been up since well I only slept like an hour or two because I went to bed and then was woken up whatever and I'm just like physically exhausted emotionally exhausted so I'm like I just I want to go home and I want to sleep I didn't even know if I could sleep but I'm like I want to try and sleep and then the plan was that we were going to drive to Toronto the next morning again it's a four-hour drive from here so we went home because we're like you know what it's probably going to be like quite a while before we're even allowed to visit you like once they get you there they're gonna have to get you settled and whatnot yeah so yeah we came home um i came maybe slept for like two hours by the time i got home it was five i think i got up at like seven and then blake's brother brayden um drove us myself carly and jackie to toronto so that's my sister and my mom Yeah. yeah so he drove us up again we really we didn't even know if he made it there safely or not because there was no contact. Like they didn't, the hospital didn't even call us to tell us that he had made it there. Um, so on the way we ended up calling, uh, Sunnybrook and all they could tell us was he's here and they're working on him. So we were like, okay, well at least we know that he's there. We didn't, we didn't even really know that. So we're on the way and it, this was such a, an emotional day. Cause like, we we again just didn't know what was happening really we didn't know how bad it was um anyway so we get there and it's also in the middle of covid so we're like that's for a future episode yeah but but just just we didn't even know like are we even going to be allowed to go in and see him like we had no idea what the visiting online it said they had two people but it turned out that it was actually only one person and we'll get into this later luckily they let me go in and see him when we got there um so yeah we get there um by the time we got there like he was pretty well settled so we went up uh Blake's mom Jackie and I and um basically the doctor came and sat with us like we had a little meeting kind of just to give a lowdown on what the situation was and they're like okay so um Basically, he's got 40% burns to his body. So he was burned on his chest, arms, and face and neck. So they're like... And, yeah, but to anyone who doesn't know, this is for also for a few trips. So, yeah, but, we'll get into but it more. But 40% burns to your body, you you must... like For a normal person, you're like, okay, like, 40% yeah. burns, like they'll be able to fix that up. But 40% burns involves your entire body but we'll get into that that more like in future episodes we have lots to talk about so we'll we'll get into it but basically yeah he's like he's got 40 percent third degree burn so that's there's four degrees of burns total so this is like second to the worst um basically if someone was fourth degree burn though chances of survival are not very good um, so he's like, so usually well, fourth degree is right down to the, yeah, it, yeah. basically your bone is burnt. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. Um, so basically I feel like I'm saying basically a lot, but that's <laughs> fine. Um, he goes, so kind of how we calculate it, um, 40%, we look at each percentage as one day in the hospital with us. So he's going to be here for a minimum of 40 days. And I remember my heart just dropped cause I was like, what and it was longer than that yeah and well i mean we'll get into that more too but it ended up being like 60 days or something so 
I had no, I was not expecting this. And I don't know why, because clearly it was bad, but I guess we just didn't really realize again. Like I had, I thought, okay, you know what this, like, we'll get through this. Maybe he'll be there for like a week or two. We'll, and then we'll be home. Um, but no. So it turned out that it was going to be a minimum of 40 days. Um, basically they had, he was still intubated and then they had started treatment on him. He was in a, in a medically induced coma kind of i mean there's lots to get into with this too so i think we'll save it for another yeah, episode for sure. like i want to go over the exact process of yeah, what they do and everything um, but but that's kind of the story of what happened and leading up to getting to toronto and kind of finding this out and because of covid unfortunately i was we had to decide on one person who could visit blake for the full time he was there and we couldn't switch it up. So that was really difficult. And we'll talk more about that. But basically, we ended up it just because Jackie was like Blake's legal, 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 legal guardian and like his mom and whatnot. And you were finishing up school as yeah, well. Yeah, I was like in uh, finishing up my fourth year of university. Yeah, so. It just emotionally, I don't think I could have handled staying in Toronto. Yeah, like you would have had to stay in Toronto. It just... And, like, we had to make this decision in, like, a couple of hours. And my mom's work was very good about letting her yeah, take the time. Yeah, so at the end of the day, so. it was, like, probably... I still, to this day, like, I don't even like thinking about it because it was probably the worst decision we've ever had to make. And it was just, like, such an emotional day and night. And, like, now they're throwing this at you. Like, you guys need to decide who's going to be the person. And it was just, like... It was just awful. Anyways, long story short, Jackie was the main visitor. So she visited Blake every single day. So once I, so this day was basically the only day that I could see him. Um, we'll get into that more, but it, I think we went 55 days without seeing each other yeah, again. Yeah. So you had, you had visited me just before I went to rehab. And so the 60 days in the hospital, that was just at Sunnybrook at Ross Tilly. It, it was it wasn't exactly sixty days. I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was like fifty five or something. Yeah. I think but I think it was fifty five that you were there and it was like fifty days total that I went without being able to visit you. Yeah, it was something like that. And like that's a long time. Like I know like people it's do this. So people time. do long distance relationships all the time, but like like that's a long time when you go through a trauma. Like you want to see yeah, your it, significant other. Like I don't and know. it just it was awful. It killed me every day not to be there and making that decision to not accept being that main visitor. It just, it was just really not a good situation. And we're going to get into it more with like yeah, the effects COVID of the, and traumas, yeah. like, and how the effects how of visitors, the pandemic on yeah. situations like this and, you know, how we got through it, how it was hard, but you know, we did it and we yeah. made it work, but we do think, there could be some changes yeah, to the this, visitor regulation. Yeah, this is for regulation. a future episode. <laughs> for, for patients like myself, like uh, anyone going through something like that, like yeah, and that's, we, we think there needs to be changes made, basically. Basically, yeah. And, and during a pandemic, anyway. like This is a big reason why we wanted to start this podcast, basically to just get our story out. I don't know why, but my favorite word today is basically. <laughs> I've said it like probably a hundred. Everyone take a shot every time I say the word basically. <laughs> <laughs> no, they won't be able to understand our podcast. Yeah. Okay, anyways, we should probably end this. It's yeah. been quite long. Um, yeah, that was a good, it was, it was the intro. We just needed yeah. to explain my story. So this good. is, you know, this is our story. 
again for the third time we apologize for the doggos barking in the background um we love them dearly but they're annoying we do and next time we're gonna probably lock ourselves in a room that we can't hear them we need a soundproof room though <laughs> yeah we need we'll the go. basement i don't know yeah so <laughs> yeah so that's our story um a lot of people in our town kind of know blake's story but not in this much detail so and we're gonna get into more detail yeah so, so yeah thanks for Stay listening tuned and uh Watch out for our upcoming episodes because I think you'll enjoy some of it. And I'm going to get into a lot more detail about a lot of different things, a lot of different topics. We've got some juicy material coming up. (laughs) So thanks for listening. And we will see you guys, talk to you guys. I don't know what. Whatever whatever we're going to do on the next episode. (laughs) All right.